I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. I am not a doctor. This might help. I'm not a professional. Let's have fun. This honestly is a good time. I'm Matt Bronger. This might help the podcast. Hey, welcome to This Might Help with Matt Bronger. As always, I uh, overstate it and overstate it and then overstate it. This is for fun. If you need clinical help, see a clinical person. I have uh, the misfits in my life and people I'm interested in on the show, and we offer advice from our uh, our foibles and the, the good and bad move we made in our lives. So anyway, thank you for being here, and thanks for being a mighty. Uh, my show today is great because I have a guy on I don't get to talk to enough who I find fascinating. Um, he is originally from Colorado, is a published author, had a book come out to grand acclaim that is about our business. That is the business of stand-up, which is one of the hardest things I've found to write about, even though I do it for a living. Um, and uh, is a great stand-up and, and a fun guy uh, uh, to boot. Please welcome Sam Talent. How are you, Sam? Hey, Bronger. I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Nice bookshelf, man. Thanks, man. It, it gives the, the false air of, of intellectualism. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I'm, I'm so intimidated. Uh, <laughs> does your, do you and your wife argue about you having so many books? The books are the only point of contention in my relationship. Oh, really? No, we don't. Because we had when we moved into this house, when we got it, it had all these built-ins and it was all uh, it was all pine and it looked, oh. looked terrible. So we painted it like seven times, seven coats of white paint and finally got it to this. Uh, but I just had all these books that were already I think it was definitely a bone of contention before. But now that we had these, I need more room uh, and I find myself buying uh, less books, which isn't good. But, you know, it's... Oh, it's dude, I'm piling on the books. I, <laughs> I have... I don't have built-ins, but I'm very envious of built-ins because they're so classy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I have five bookshelves against the wall in the front room. And Emily, my wife, is just constantly telling me I have to downgrade the books. When it comes to books, she's kind of like ISIS. She wants to destroy them. She <laughs> wants to, uh, you know, erase the past so she can build a new future without of words. Course. Of course. And got sure. it. It's the only thing we argue about, man. And isn't it wild how that's it, that's always the move from the Nazis to uh, you know uh, Mao's communist wave? It's always burning the old. It's it's always look get rid of the past. I got the new shit. Like yeah. <laughs> anytime someone burns books, you're like mm, no. <laughs> that's where I get off when it comes to book burning. Everything yeah. else, I don't care. Put them against the wall. Put bullets in their heads. Fine. They probably had a murder yeah. you murder everyone just don't uh -huh. just save the literature That's yeah a... genocide whatever who am i to judge but right. <laughs> i need this first edition copy of geek love you don't get what this means to me yeah i do i do uh miss as a as a kid i first off i miss the discourse when i was younger and i'm not even that old i miss i miss conversation between yeah. people who disagree rather than screaming and eye gouging when they get close enough and uh, uh, evisceration, evisceration online, call me old fashioned, but I remember being <laughs> in Powell's bookstore, which I grew up going to, which is a great big store. Bookstore Portland? In Portland. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, I, I, like, I remember having a discussion with this guy about the anarchist cookbook. Yeah. And him going like, well, you know, they don't really let us stock it because, you know, they're, you know, it's a little fascist, I'll be honest. But then again, you don't want people building bombs. And I remember talking about that book. If people don't know, it's a book that teaches you how to make various uh, uh, 
bombs and, and weapons and things. Yeah, how, how to improvise an insurrection. It's like a level <laughs> one improv class for a well revolution. Said. Yes, way better said than, than than my fumbling. But yeah, and I remember having, just having the And I, I was just like, oh, and I'm just learning about what it is, but this guy's having a kind of an argument in his own head as he's explaining it to me, which I've, I, I never forget. It was really cool, you know. I was like, I was like, yeah, I, I think it's it's good to be conflicted about that book. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it's not the Turner Diaries, you know. It's like there's not any kind of white nationalist skew to that book. Right. And also, it teaches you how to like smoke banana peels to get high, which does not work. Oh, I didn't even know that. I, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in there about like different ways to get high, like from hmm. stuff you can steal from the supermarket. Wow, like uh, like nutmeg or nutmeg. banana peels. And boy, did we try it. Boy, did it was yeah. our patient zero on all of those tests. I tried the nutmeg one from the uh, biography of Malcolm X. And yeah. it does not work. In a cold glass of water, two spoonfuls of nutmeg. I went yeah. right in the kitchen and did that and just gave me nothing but a headache. And, oh, and yeah. Stomach. Like, I'm pretty sure that's a prank they pull on people in prison. That's like a day one goof. Yeah. yeah. All, all I remember from that book is how to make, I barely remember how to make napalm from soap and gas. Yeah. So the fact that that's still stuck in my head. Thank God I never did it. Like, why no, do I need no. to make something that doesn't stop burning something? Like, <laughs> I did. I did make a match, a match head bomb from oh. that book, which I believe is uh, you get a, you open up a tennis ball and put as many match heads as you can in there. Whoa. And then when you bounce it off concrete, the friction inside will cause them all to explode. Jesus. Yeah. But I mean, it, it did pop, but it wasn't it wasn't the, you know, fucking blockbuster that we all assumed it would be. Sure. It was yeah. It wasn't a a a a a, a sack a, a cloth sack of nails with a yeah pump. yeah. It didn't make McVeigh jealous, you know. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it didn't murder a building of innocent people. Yeah, yeah. And mostly children. But yeah, God, I know that's. Have you been to that uh, the memorial there in Oklahoma City? No, no. I'm gonna go when I'm when I'm there uh, in uh, I, oh my end of October. I think I'm going to uh, or September. Anyway, I'm going to Oklahoma City. Uh, Check the to, website oh. for dates. Check my day. Check my website for dates. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, I, I'm definitely gonna go. I'm definitely. Yeah, gonna go. it's crazy, man. They have the uh, they have chairs for every victim, and then they have little chairs for every child. Oh, it's God. one of the most emotionally uh, exhausting. I mean, it, it, it ruined me. It, yeah. It's it's tough to go to that and then be like, hey, who's ready to laugh? You know, <laughs> especially the kind of comedy we do. It's a lot of slap and tickle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and it is. I I feel like we we have that in common. I think you're better at this than me. But you, uh, I I really I really think you you turn towards the dark side, even though you're a funny person. And by dark side, I don't mean good or evil. I mean I mean looking at life for how it truly is in a in a in a in a big way. You well, know. Thank you. And, and but but you're very much a kind of master of ceremonies of almost like uh, um, you know, to uh to 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 quote Bob Seger, we've got tonight. Who needs tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Live in that damn moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put the cowboy hat on, have a Coors Light. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. We're all dust, baby. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's it. That's really, I mean, that's, that's how I, I, I always kind of in, in, in enjoyed uh, you and, and uh, not only are you, you're like very, very smart, but also in love with the, 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 the dumb fun. Oh yeah. I, I love dumb fun, dude. Me too. Me too. I love I love just goofing and giggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Matt, I'm a I've been but even before I started stand up, it was like you, Brett Weinbach, you know, obviously Kinane, like yeah. your guys' very early TV sets mm-hmm. were the kind of comedy you watch and you're like, oh, you can do it that way. Like yeah. when I was open micing, you know, and you see people like be 
silly or weird it's just it, it was it like kind of blew open the the modes of how to deliver comedy because you just think right. you know, we're all ripping off mitch hedberg or david tell when you start absolutely and then you see someone do it uniquely and you're like oh shit okay cool you don't have to just be a setup punchline guy yeah and i i always loved seeing someone that was doing something that that uh was uniquely them dumb thing to say of course but uh like weinbach was a perfect example of someone that i saw and i remember I remember I was almost annoyed, not by him, but <laughs> yeah. the way that people, people who who disregarded stand-up in general would yeah. talk about him. Where, and this is back in the MySpace days. And I remember people were just like, they'd try an open mic and just do something r weird and, and not well thought out and just kind of to do it. And they'd immediately change their MySpace page to a comedian page. And they were, they would talk about Brentler like, he, well, that, I mean, that guy's a genius. And I'm just like, I feel like you you see one art house movie and you think <laughs> the creator's a genius. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's like, but it, at the same time, I was just like, he kind of is yeah. because he's a genius of confidence and of doing literally whatever he thinks is funny without regard for the audience, but then doing well. Which I was just like, oh my god, you're 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 amazing. Like, yeah, it was important to see that kind of comedy mm -hmm. as a young like you know bar hack. <laughs> <laughs> the guy doing like very bad crowd work and then you're like oh my god he just did a bit with just his eyes that was the funniest thing ever yeah yeah he had that bit about like serial killer eyes versus gay eyes gay and it's eyes, just like yeah. yeah dude gay eyes pivotal <laughs> moment in my comedy career yeah and and very immersive where yeah. you're you're it's you're like you've you've created a mood sir in this room that uh that that is you know that's it's rare that someone can can kind of do that. I feel like it's it's it's. I feel like you you take chances like that, but you're of the. I think the 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 Doug Stanhope. Uh, um, here we are, kind of uh, model <laughs> in terms of stand up, which I really thanks, Ben. I'm a huge fan of. Um, you are you friends with uh, Weinbach? Yeah, I I haven't talked to him in a while. But Every time I see him. Like, you know, I'm a big thunderous galoot who wants to, like, give everyone a noogie and yeah. put him on my shoulders and carry him across the room. And every time I'm like, God, dude, you have no idea what you mean to me. And he's just clearly terrified because yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I've had like seven Miller lights and he hates eye contact. So it's yeah. like we couldn't be more different. <laughs> he's very private. I remember there was a girl that was uh, a comedian who was obsessed with him, I guess, in the Bay Area and would like just go to all his shows and stuff. And it, I think it really fucked with him that yeah. this person, you know, it's it just he, the attention. But I feel like I've had, I've been lucky enough to have little, 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 I can kind of find little pokes that get people like, okay, okay. Out of their, out of their uh, discomfort zone where with him, I'd be like, you know, I know he was a Bay area guy, even though he was raised in LA and I'd be like, well, you're, you grew up in the tenderloin. Right. And I would just say that all the time. He's the shittiest area of San Francisco. Yeah. Go, what? No. Like, and then he finally caught on. He's like, oh, you're just being stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then we'd have these little inside jokes, like once backstage at, um, uh, I think it was a sketch fest show. He was like, uh, we were, we just, there was like, we were just sitting here next to some hand sanitizer. And, uh, he's just, he just pointed at it and he goes, put it on the, put it on the dick. I'm like, yeah, you put that on your dick, put it on the dick. <laughs> And so that became the thing where we'd when we'd see each other and be like, "Hey, shake hands, put it on the dick, put it on the dick," <laughs> and like it was such a fun thing to say because it's not only fun to have an inside joke, but it's fun that 
everyone around us is like, what are you what? guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. You shake hands and say, put it on the dick. That's, that's weird. It's, it's bro and male. <laughs> yeah. So not him. No. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's like from the future when it comes to gender, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he, he like, yeah. I, I didn't know he was even from America. I thought he cracked out of an egg on like the full moon. He's so like you know. There's a, a lack of humanity in what I've experienced from him. That yeah, yeah, yeah. And enough and, Weinbach talk. Jesus, this geez, is the number one Weinbach him. pod. Fuck him. Yeah, <laughs> but I think uh, anyway. We're just talking about the importance of uniqueness in comedy and stuff. Yeah. But, so okay, but you're a published author, and I have published. Read your book I, I have to. I gotta and put that out there. I'm ve- I'm really I'm really excited to read your book because. Everyone I everyone I've spoken to just is, is over the moon about it, and I wrote uh, a thing, uh, just like a, a a book about a comic on the road, and it's more to do with kind of these 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 pockets in in small college towns of uh, for want of another term, kind of proud boy ideologies that are uh, you know, and, but I think we have these we have these. Um, you know, these groups, these groups that have, that that for some reason or another, I believe, have been tricked into into believing they're abandoned, and that they have to kind of form these these strongholds of, of yeah, they've like martyred themselves. Yes, these confederacies, and and it's it's more about let's just say a comic like myself and a female opener who uh, are on the road together, and they run afoul of a group like that, and that's kind of where. But it's like, and I'm it's. I've had a few drafts and it's, I'm, I'm like, you know, I don't know how many more rewrites away from it, but it's just, and that's, that's the novel or is that the short stories you sent me? No, no, that's the novel. That's the novel. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and I, I'm only bringing it up because for me, the stand up parts were the hardest parts to write, even though yes. I was going from my own act. And I know just, just from, I mean, I've, I've read, a, I've never, I've not, have not read your book, but I've read a lot of descriptions of it and it, it, it just sounds like it's it's about, for one another term, uh, a shitbag. Uh, oh yeah, at the end of his rope and yeah. just on the road too long and stuff. So it's a cautionary tale, man. It's the guy we don't want to turn into. Yeah. Oh. You know yes. what I mean? It's yes, the guy you yes. fear turning into when you're like yes. at the late show Saturday and there's 35 people there and you're mm-hmm. like, well probably just have six more spotted cows before I go on. You know, it's like <laughs> that, that, that dark, uh, just that, like, you know, that, that evil, uh, id that's yeah. like inside all of us. And yeah, it was really easy to write because I just like, I've met a million dudes who I'd never, ever want to be. Yes. You know? Oh, my, 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 uh, I'm, I'm taping a special in October and the special is named after is the first name of the, one of the worst guys I've ever met. He's not a stand up. And the closer is about the time I'm the weekend I I was around him in a vacation yeah. with my wife. So that's that's one one heavy theme of my new hour. Uh, a big chunk of it is the importance of bad examples, especially for us men. <laughs> oh yeah, well especially now that you have uh, your your beautiful child. Like I'm yeah. sure you're just constantly assessing who you want to be in the future for that child. Without a doubt, it's and- got to be heavy, man. It, it, it is, it is, but it's kind of like I never thought this would happen to me. So, and 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 it's and it's kind of like there's there's help and stuff, but there's no real there's no real rule book. But that to me is freeing yeah. because you just it's it's just I don't know who said it, but like someone said to me, like, look, long as you keep them safe and make them feel loved at all times, that's ninety percent. And I'm like, okay, 
I can do that. I can do that. You know, and if I just focus on that and, and make sure to give her all the attention I can and try to teach her little things, you yeah. know, it'll, it'll just, you learn as you go, almost like when we started out doing stand-up, where so much of it was just the watching and the listening and the and the enjoyment. And yeah, and the, sh and the shutting the hell up. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. So I, many I, young comics don't shut up and they're just like, oh, they want to talk through other people's sets at the open mic. And it's like, this is... Like watching Adam Caton Holland, watching Ben Roy, watching mm -hmm. Troy Walker, that's how we got good at stand up was just yeah. watching these people who were a little bit better. Yeah. There's so much just like networking and grab assery at open mics nowadays that I don't yeah. see if anything's really uh, worthwhile as far as time being spent. I, I got to tell you, I just did uh, uh, Joe Coy's podcast and he's a friend and, and is now, you know, pretty much Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. Like he's playing stadiums. Oh, yeah. Know? And still the nicest guy and we were talking about how so many people they they want a magic door and i talked about a time my my wife who's a successful manager um was talking to uh somebody at a party and this person was really really high and you know we were all partying but the person was like i want to do what you do and my wife was like okay well it took me about 10 years of this this that you know just the steps just being kind enough and then the person went took a pause and went, no, but like, other than that, how? And I think, <laughs> oh, yeah. And I said, oh, yeah. Joe Coy and I were talking about like, they want a magic door, but if there was a magic door, you wouldn't want to go through it, through it because you wouldn't be ready for what's next if you did. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like being like, I'm going to start karate at the black belt level and just right. get, and almost die, like get kicked in the face and die. Yeah, continually you know? get my throat stepped on. It's yeah. like when young comics uh, get, they got they audition for something big too early, you know? Like uh, like yeah. when JFL goes to like Cincinnati and the seven young funny comics are all recommended there and then they get seen early and whoever's in control is like, oh, these people aren't funny. And then it takes yeah. them like five years to get seen again. Yeah. That's such yeah. a brutal situation. It's it's so rough because it's look, it's not just them who want to skip the line. Right. Everybody on every level of this business. want Look, no one wants to do the work. I get it. No. But you yeah. have to. You no one wants to do the loony to. bins. Are no. you kidding? I mean... <laughs> Joe, Joe Coy, I mean, we were laughing where he was like, and to his credit, he didn't say who it was during the podcast or after, but somebody, you know, he's about to play the forum. He has two shows at yeah. the forum. I've seen Prince at the forum. You know, it's a big room. The Lakers used to play there. Yeah, it's a pretty big room. Pretty big room. <laughs> yeah. Pretty big. Somebody was like, hey, hey, can I open for you at the forum? And he's like, uh, before he could even say no, the guy went, and then how much money would that get me? Like how much Whoa. would insane i mean i thought that was i couldn't stop chuckling at that for days oh. just the balls and then and the lack of self-awareness that's vulgar that's like a crude <laughs> yes. obscene thing to do it is. Ooh. it is it's oh i love it i love it it's so stupid i love it but that's <laughs> that's where i had to get the analogy from the black belt competition it's yeah like, yeah yeah but okay, so so seeing all these 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 comics who um, like do you, do you have an example of a person you saw who like just a moment like a, the the older guy who yeah I have so many uh, I mean the the patron saint of Denver comedy when I started was a guy named Troy Baxley okay do you ever meet Baxley I don't think so no so he was like you know all the comics that you know from Denver. He, they all started his open mic at Lion's Lair. 
Okay. And then the first thing you ever did once you got a little bit of time together is you would go open for Baxley in like Wyoming or South Dakota. Like hmm. that was the first person you featured for on Tribble Runs. Baxley would take you out. And that was kind of like you were anointed in Denver. So this is this guy that like all the people that are your heroes say is the funniest. And you've seen him proven to be the funniest. And then you're in a car with him as he's, uh, you know, as soon as you're in the car in the morning, just drinking screwdrivers until you get to the show. And uh, and there's a hunt for, uh, you know, whatever narcotics that are necessary to get him through the next gig. And you're like, this guy is literally like my hero. And now I'm just trapped with this sad, small demon, you know, and then you get up on stage and kill. So you're like, oh, God, this guy's not gonna be able to do the job. And then, of course, he's the funniest person ever in Gillette, Wyoming. So it's (laughs) just this this roller coaster of like, oh, this is sad. Oh, God, I'm gonna have to carry him out of here. Jesus Christ he's 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 a man on fire up there yeah and then after the show everyone thinks he's the best party 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 next day just the goblin until eight o'clock that night right oh yeah i i i i I remember i remember a guy i i just did a i opened for at zany's in chicago in chicago we didn't we barely played zany's they wouldn't let us in and we honestly didn't try that hard with the exception of like john roy who is a worker who back then was like the guy who that's why he, you know, didn't have a day job and had his own car. Yeah. But like, uh, uh, I opened this guy and this guy just destroyed, like killed everything landed. Then after the show, uh, I, I was, he was talking to me and he was nice. He was like, so how long you been doing it? You know, just being kind. But he was visibly shaking. And it wasn't, I really don't think it was from drugs or alcohol. And he wasn't drinking. I was having a drink. He... I firmly believe had done that hour for probably 15 years straight. Oh my God. And was so, it was like, he had PTSD probably every single night. Oh, um, makes yeah. my skin crawl, man. Right? And oh. that's a, it's, it's a similar thing to, you know, uh, uh, your guy, no way could go do a sober night. Yeah, no way. No way. And this guy, no way could do a new bit. And it's just and they're both it's just both addictions it's both uh, being, being completely trapped well addicted to killing i mean i definitely was addicted to killing sure, I, I need to crush but then you try and eventually figure out how to crush doing your own thing yeah because that hour that's bulletproof and works everywhere is such a safety blanket and such a tumultuous yeah. and scary job like stand up but then you know as soon as you get back to new orleans and your friends are like hey like the new stuff and they're lying because there was no new stuff that's yeah. that's the worst barb that i can receive yeah. you know because like the crowd's like this guy's hilarious but then your friends are like jesus man uh-huh get it together you know you're still closing with that same bit and it's like all right yeah so now i'm just trying to improvise as much as possible on stage you know i've been mm-hmm. pulling off like 45 minutes just improvise crowd work you know doing uh-huh. you know calling doing callbacks that all the tricks we know how to do but still it's really exciting and invigorating for me to do this kind of comedy that is not like safe as pretentious yeah. as that sounds you know no it's, it's absolutely true and I, I i've had to do it for my own safety and had to just be have these have these raw honest moments like there's a guy i've for some reason by luck of the draw i've been following a comedy star named rick ingram who is like all he does is crowd work and just rips a of course. hole in him and then i go up with my prepared stuff and they're kind of disappointed they're like you're not going to talk to us so I don't yeah. necessarily talk to them, but I start making stuff up and I start improvising and, and start not judging myself for for not 
you know, putting my flag in the ground and causing an earthquake, but just, you know, still doing, you know, good. Yeah. Just like letting myself grow. This weekend, I played an adult summer camp called uh, uh, Apocalypse Supper Club uh, on a, in a camp off of uh, Lake Erie that a bunch of people uh, found each other on Facebook and they were just like, the two rules, no politics and be nice. And they call themselves the nicest people on Facebook. And they, huh. they started this in 2020 and this is their second one and they have bands and they have comedians and they all cook. And so I went- Sounds so wholesome. It was, it was, and it, like you can tell uh, some of them I would diametrically disagree with, I'm sure, yeah. and other ones I, but it's like, it was cool just to be around people and be out, we're out, the whole thing was outside. All the shows were outside and uh, it's small. And anyway, long story long, I went, I was the last act of everything because the comedy was at night and I didn't get on stage till like 11 p.m. And I'm seeing everyone play with their kids and the music was a little slower and, and kind of what I call like, like Silver Lake folk music, let's just say. Oh, yeah. It's good, but it's also like, man. <laughs> It's not a party starter. Not a party starter. And so <laughs> yeah, no one's was, kicking out those jams. <laughs> I was just like, I just, I, I'm going, I'm, I did well, and then I started doing badly, and started my jokes were not landing, and I was, I just said out loud, "Am I, am I losing you guys?" And they're like, "No, no." And I was like, "You know what? I miss my fucking kid." And it was me saying that out loud was like this thing of just let me just tell you my truth, what's going on with me right now. And the crowd went, ah, oh, and I went, God damn it, it's like a poison. And it started, and I started just talking about that and talk and getting into more of those bits. And then from then on out, it was gold and I, I finished strong. And it was, but if I had just done what I used to do, which is plow through, put your head go, down, just get, yeah, put your head down and go, mm -hmm. it, I would have been really mad at myself. But it was, it was, don't get me wrong, I still second guess myself after the show. I still yeah. talking to the booker. I was like, was that terrible? He's like, no. And I was like, okay. <laughs> You know, but it's the it worst was that, conversation. Yeah, you got it's just like I, I you know, I, I I'm the guy who I remember back in Portland. I had like a, a great set, and then an older comic would be like, "That had to hurt." And I go, "What did I? Oh, fuck you!" You know, like for a yeah. second, yeah. you had me. You know, but anyway, like I, I I'm interested in those honest moments because they are yeah that's the thing we all kind of wanted. Where well, I saw a TED talk on it. Like the humans can pick up on due to. uh Whatever, whatever, you know, the nonverbal cues. I was a rhetoric major, so I had to study all this shit. Oh, wow. But like, there's like nonverbal cues when an orator is going off the top as composed as, as compared to when they're reading something that like wrote that they've memorized, you know? Hmm. And yeah. for some reason, there's a more communal, not for some reason, it's a more communal experience when people can tell that you're improvising as opposed to when you're going up there and giving them a prepared, uh, you know, piece of rhetoric. Yeah. Uh, and that's like, I mean, I'm not a fan of the guy's work, but, you know, all the all the fascist orators like, you know, Mussolini and Hitler, people liked them a lot because they were going off the dome. They were yeah. riffing. They were hitting him with the Cat Williams. Mm -hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. As opposed to like all the American presidents of the same era, like Eisenhower and FDR, they were so memorized that they weren't the engaging speakers that they had in Europe. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when you're when you're improvising, it's people can tell and they love it. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's it's really weird. And that's that was, I think, one reason why uh, uh, Trump hit it so big, because definitely oh, yeah. he would go completely off. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the it was freestyling freestyling. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going I mean, but you're right, dude, like writing the stand up in my book was the worst part, because 
I had to have the like the 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 fine line of him being he had to be hacky enough that you can tell why he wasn't a huge success, but he also had to be skilled enough to for the reader to like understand why he was such a compelling performer and yeah. also like why he had the chops of how long he'd been doing stand up. So mm-hmm. walking writing those parts of the book where he's on stage those were the most difficult passages to uh to put together. I'm sure. I I it, there's a reason why uh let's be honest, I think no one wants to watch any media about a stand-up comedian, let's say a, a Bes- TV show or a, or a movie. It's, besides it's, comics. Besides, <laughs> you may be. Well, we yeah. want to sell one cuz it's, yeah, exactly. it's our whole <laughs> lives and we want to do something about our lives. Yeah. But it's it's you know I, I don't think it's as true at all with books because books can be if you make it interesting enough it can be about anything. Problem mm-hmm. with any media about a stand-up comedian is that most people deep down think they could do it. Yeah, they're like for sure. You know I I loved uh, the the interview uh, moment with Michael Keaton where you know he never gets emotional or whatever but he got actually kind of angry when we're talking about when he started getting work in Hollywood as an actor. He was, you know, he started getting booked and it became pretty regular, regular. And he was on something and he's like, and a guy, another actor was like, didn't you do stand up? And he's like, yeah, for a long, long time. And he goes, another, the actor, just some rando just goes, yeah, you know, I never tried that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> tried? Just, you could just fuck, you, you just think you can do it like you do this? Yeah, you never you dipped wanted, your toes in the water? You wanted to kill the guy. And I, <laughs> I, I thought that was so funny because when you've been through that kind of, of hell, you know, I don't. I don't resent people for thinking they can, and maybe they all can, who the fuck knows. But it is funny how, uh, uh, and 90% more with men, when they find out you're a comic, they're like, you know, my friends always I should try that. And it's like, they want you to be their manager. They want yeah. you to talk them into doing it, show mm-hmm. them how to do it, use all the sacrifices you've made to help them. Yeah. Maybe that's I mean, just a male thing. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I've ever since the book came out, I get people just unsolicited with the emails of, hey, so you wrote a book and you put it out yourself. Will you read this 400 page manuscript and give me Christ. notes? And it's the same thing when like a new person in comedy is like, hey, will you watch my act and tell me what to do better? And it's like, I never want to do that because you'll just sound more like me. Mm-hmm. You should never take any advice from anyone when you're new in comedy. Just do it a million times and be nice to people. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, I, I, I'm starting to publish. I'm, I'm publishing books on my my press, Too Big to Fail Press. Nice. And I took in so many submissions and most of them were dog shit. But when I finally found the one that was good, I felt like the smartest man alive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, it, it is rewarding when you do take that chance, but you have to wade through so much feces and effluvium to finally get there that it really isn't worth the payoff sometimes, unless it's really fucking good when you find it. And I love the fact that you did the most important thing in life, which is you did the work, you did the effort, you gave the effort to something you love. And because that is how you truly respect something you love, as we all know. But you're also not jaded and about it you're just oh, honest no. about the stuff you didn't like because you and i had a lot of people around us starting out and i came real close to being this person who was just like ah, oh, what's the point it all fucking sucks yeah and granted when i was hitting that you know uh, uh point of capacity it was because i had had major major disappointments and you know had gotten fucked over a couple times in this oh, yeah. this marvelous business that you know it, it's it's made of love and and brother and sisterhood as we know uh, but it you know it, it's it's a it's a shit show it is 
Yeah. And, you know, so I, thankfully I turned towards my joy, as the Buddhists say, uh, rather than become jaded. But, like, I feel like it's there's a lot of people who – it's like that uh, Patton had that thing about you can be the – the funniest guy in the coffee shop and you're never going to leave because what's the fucking point where you can actually try to, you know, take your gift, so to speak, to to a bigger stage. Yeah. And go get hurt. There's a lot of people yeah. just that are afraid of wounding their ego or their pride okay. or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not jaded because I, I know how lucky we are to be able to make a living off stand up. We're the luckiest people in the world. Our friends yeah. are the funniest people alive. Mm-hmm. Whenever you go to a different city, you get to meet other people who are not just funny, but like trying to get funnier and yeah. trying to be inspired. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like that Nate Bargatze joke about his wife being like, why don't you ever want to hang out with my friends? And it's, he's like, well, my friends are always working on new jokes. <laughs> When's the last time you had a new bit, honey? <laughs> you're, you're not you're not put, giving me any tags. What are you talking about? My friends are the funniest people alive. And that's how I feel. Uh, I'm just incredibly grateful uh, for everything that I have, you know? Yeah, and and we're in a business uh, that is often ruled by ego, but we won't let each other have any, which mm-hmm. is which is beautiful. I, yeah. I'll never forget we had the the Lions Den back in Chicago. It was, that was our open mic thing that we all started out in, and everyone, you know, not everyone, but like a lot of big names would just drop in and and do us like a set. I, I, I George Carlin came by one night, Attell, um, and Stanhope came by one night. And there was a guy in our scene whose name uh, shall not I won't say it, but he he was one of those guys who like in his own mind like I'm Bill Hicks, I'm the Bill Hicks of this group. You know? Oh yeah, smoking, you know, dark dark bits, and uh, had one dark bit that he that was always what he closed with, and it's like, dude, it's that thing you said of like love the new shit, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so Doug's there, he's there, he just corners Doug. And oh it's yeah, like, you know, you and me, man, we're not like these guys. Like literally, and and Doug was like, "Oh yeah, man, yeah," you know, like shining him on. What's your name? He tells him. <laughs> Doug gets on stage. He goes, "You guys met this fucking asshole," and says his name on stage, and we're all <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I mean, I genuinely felt terrible for the guy, but yeah. boy, did he ask for it. You know, to be, to be like, you know, these guys, they, they don't get it. You get it. I get it. Yeah, I'm the truth tellers. Oh God, you know, to, to think that in your mind and, but I mean, we all prop ourselves on something, I guess, but it was that thing. (laughs) Oh oh, no, Doug. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, Stan openers, man, the people who idolize him. Yeah. Oh, what a, what a rough breed. Yeah. And I mean, I spent a couple of weeks with Stan Hope last year because he's been championing my book. Like everything good that came from the book comes from Doug. So I'm forever in his debt, Mm -hmm. but he has an incredibly silly sense of humor when you're hanging out. Yeah. You know, like he's not this like dark festering imp that everyone thinks he is. He's just a guy who wants to cut it up with his pals and watch baseball. Like his persona on stage, I think, has been I think people have put that on him a lot more than he actually is. Without a doubt. Like he's never tried to uh, to cultivate that air of like, I'm the dark prince of the truth. It's like, no, no, you're just it's just how he interprets the world happens to be a little bit darker. But those are funny bits. Bill Hicks. (laughs) wasn't funny towards the end he remember when he was dressing like a cowboy yeah. and no one called him out on it yeah he wore that duster in london and like had a cowboy hat on and d- flames behind him yeah. and like, doing terrible music yeah he dressed like the undertaker and no one <laughs> called him out on it <laughs> yeah well because he didn't have any contemporaries exactly doing in in his field and it yeah. was just 
yeah, I mean, and 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 it was like he, he, the only stand-up that matters. And they're like, yeah. well, I mean, if it's making a, a fucking near suicidal manager of an Arby's who's about to be divorced goes to a show and laughs at some yeah. goof with his suit jacket rolled up to the sh- the elbows like I'm not going to shit on that guy like no. Bill Hicks hates it or you know and his fans I mean yeah Doug was at the Sky Lounge with his friends which he had bullshitted his way in yeah. and my wife and mother-in-law and, and father-in-law were there we we're all going to Las Vegas and I'm in the bathroom peeing, and Doug comes in with his loud yellow suit, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Fuck, are you doing here?" And I'm like, "Hey, man!" And he, and he's like, "I tell him," and he's like, "It's it's your mother-in-law's birthday." He just sends cake and champagne over, to, like he just gave money to all the all the people working in the Sky Lounge to bring it. Happy birthday! Like he got the whole Delta Sky Lounge. It's yeah. like that's not what you know the the leader of the apocalyptic. Uh, uh, yeah. Man does. yeah the 25 year old nihilistic death cult does not nope. send cake nope you yeah. know shitty shitty fuck the world incels do not send over cake and champagne no. to a mother-in-law oh yeah he no. couldn't be more generous and a better host like i remember i mentioned offhand i like bloody mary's i woke up the next day there was an entire bloody mary bar just set up for me and he's like i hate bloody mary's but i'm gonna be drinking them all day with you <laughs> yeah what a fucking champion Oh, dude, I was so happy that he was so kind to me. That's so dope, dude. Yeah. Well, okay, let's let's get to the calls. This is sure. been we could we could I could literally talk to you for like three more hours. This has been so fun. But let's see. Uh, I hope it's, uh, I, hope it's, I hope the view the listeners are enjoying it. Oh, they're We're just being it. sincere. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I mean I, I feel like you know the thing about podcasts, and I've said this a billion times, is they keep me company. So yeah. right now there's someone in, driving in a car or working a right. job they might be bored of or whatever. And they're like, okay, cool. This is, I'm, I'm getting insight into something I might or might not know, but I, don't, I, I just, know. I don't think of you or me as like very like sincere, you know, deep <laughs> thinkers, you know, we're pretty much goofballs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. that's all right. That's all okay. right. It's yeah. like all these fucking weird bodied freaks are getting yeah. deep. <laughs> <laughs> that's us. Weird body tour coming. Um, so I don't hear any of these calls. Renee, my producer, uh, he listens to them first, and so he'll just pick them. I don't know what's gonna what we're getting. So okay, we got three calls. So let's uh, let's roll the first. Hey Matt and Sam T, uh, it's your boy Max Beasley calling because I'm in a little bit of a pickle. Um, so my dad is getting remarried. And my mom doesn't know about it. And my brother and I feel an obligation to let her know if you guys have any ideas on how we should go about doing that. Uh, any advice would be much appreciated. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Do you know Beasley? I know the name. Yeah, what, what? really, really good kid. He started in Denver. Okay. Uh, he, I, I love him dearly. So this is kind of an awkward position to be put in, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. What's your initial take? I have mine. Okay, uh, I, I'll go. I'll go first in this one. You go first in the second one. Okay. Uh, I, 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 my, my honest feeling is, um, well, I, first off, I, you know, I always have questions, but we don't have answers, so I guess there's no point in asking them. I can. Uh, so I can. I know that his father moved to. I don't know how much this should put out there, but the father, his father moved away to a different part of the country to start like a new life. Okay. So 
I'll ah. put that. I think that's enough. Perfect. I think it's just it's the thing of like, uh, hey mom, we we uh, uh, either like, can we get coffee or can we come by, come, go together in person, sit down, and and talk to her because it's the important thing is she has you guys, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's going to hurt, but it's it, to to call. And be like, I, you know, and to hear the dis, your disembodied son tell you that you you want the warmth of 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 someone's presence. So right. I think I think it's as simple as just sit down, don't overthink it, and just tell her. Right? That's my that's my call. I I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think if you're going to have that conversation, it's for sure face to face. Right. Uh. Yeah. Without a doubt. I don't know. My initial read is everyone's an adult, and it's none of her business. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to lack empathy or compassion. Obviously, you want to comfort your mother. But will you telling your mother that he is getting remarried bring her comfort or will it bring her pain? It's a really good point. I think you have to serve what's going to make your mom feel better. And if she can live in a world without knowing, then maybe that's a better reality to occupy than the one that's actually true. It's really true. Yeah, I, I just kind of in this in this social media world, I just in she'll know. Mind, I was like, she'll know for sure. Find out, right? And she turns to them and is like, "Why didn't you guys? Tell Why me? didn't you tell but me?" That said, that said, they can definitely uh, take. You know, I'm not saying my. I'm not saying take my advice. I am certainly not, or or t- definitely take yours or whatever. But I like I like your angle because I, a, I didn't consider it. B it could be the kindest way, and also the you know the the most ethical all around. Not only yeah. to her, but to him, where, you know, even if she does snap back on you and is like, why didn't you tell me? It's like, mom, he's moved on. It's that is his life. I don't see why I would have to, you know, but then it's a whole nest of rattlesnakes. I, I don't know. This I think the one. biggest question you're trying to avoid in this whole thing is the, the your mother is saying, why didn't you tell me? I mm-hmm. think that that's the biggest risk, because if she feels like she's had her back turned on her by her former husband and then she thinks that she's that they've taken the side by not telling her even if it is to protect her and then she feels like she's lost the trust of her kids and no one's going to keep her in the loop i think that's a much more difficult position to be in yeah you probably do need to cut that off at the head and just go talk to her about it yeah and you know what what i'm going to take back is both you show up maybe just you maybe just you just go hey let's get a cup of coffee hey mom i figured you might find this out and i don't know if you would but i I don't know if, you know, deserve is a thing, you know, you need to know about or whatever, but dad's getting remarried. You know? I feel like I, my sister and I are very close and I think uh-huh. that I would love to have my sister there just ah, so okay. when I'm, when I've ran out of things to say that are nice, she can be there for backup or vice versa. Right. Okay. You know? That's yeah. what I think. I think if you're going to do it, hopefully the sibling can be there and you guys can have that conversation with your mom. Yeah. I think you, I think you nailed it. I think that's that's definitely correct. And that's interesting to tell that <laughs> the difference in perspectives because I'm an only child. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, having I'm, a sister is like the greatest asset ever. My sister's been there with me through so many difficult times with my mom and dad. And they're happily married and they have for a long time. But yeah. God damn, if I was alone in some of these struggles, it would have been brutal. Yeah, yeah. But you're probably more self-reliant because you didn't have the benefit of a, a sibling. Well, I, I am, but I also, I, I had parents who worked as, as teachers in schools. And so yeah. they dealt with crises all the time. And so I think they, they, they built up an armor in a sense, in a good way, where 
they and they were very in touch with their feelings. So, you know, I remember arguments and fights and things, but I, I really don't look back on it and go, boy, that was tough. You know, even when they, I'm sure it certainly was, it was just kind of like this. I was never felt made to feel uh, uh, like I like I wasn't loved and, you know, all the important things. Were sure. There. So. Yeah. And also, I'll say this. I don't think this is a situation where you take your mom to a movie and then dinner and then break it at the end. I think it's a very simple conversation because yes. you don't want her to think that you were like, you know, trying to prime the pump. You know, you just wanted to. This is an adult conversation between your kids and your and their mother. And we're just people having an adult conversation. And that's it. We're not trying yeah. to protect your feelings. We just want you to have all the information. Yeah. Weird analogy. I remember um, uh, a girl I'd gone on a couple dates with. I I. Um, I was like, you know, let's go somewhere nice. And I took her and treated her to a nice dinner. And then after we'd finished eating and I'd paid, she goes, confession time. I'm dating my ex. Oh, God. <laughs> so that thing was like, hey, you let me pay for everything. And it's like transactional or anything. And I didn't really feel that way. Like, I thought I was getting laid, man. But it, and we weren't even that serious. But it was like. I will still say to myself, confession time in this happy like voice. And it'll yeah. make me laugh inside because, it was just, <laughs> hey, what the fuck, man? So, yeah, it is. It's like it's like get to get to the point right away. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> confession and, time. I mean, maybe she'll maybe your mom, you tell her mom and then your mom is like, can we get a drink? And you're like, yeah, let's, let's yeah, have, have have your evening free for whatever yeah. mom needs after whatever. That. She makes the call. Yeah, yes, for sure. All right, Beasley. She rejoices there. too. Anyway, that's enough. Yeah. Hope yeah. that hope that helps. Yeah, I think we I yeah. think I think we got that one. I love um, you, Max. Yeah. Funny Thanks kid. For calling, dude. Really appreciate you. Okay, caller number two. Hey Matt, I have a question I've been wrestling with the last two months or so. Uh, do I go to my older brother's wedding reception? Little backstory, I'm one of four kids, only girl, and none of us kids have a relationship with one another for different reasons. Like, we don't speak to each other or see each other outside of holiday family gatherings. Um, so my older brother in particular has literally not spoken to me, so I'll say at least five years. I don't know. I've lost track at this point. Won't say hello, goodbye, or even acknowledge me when I'm in the same room. He has anger issues and holds grudges against me and my parents for all kinds of things that happened when we were kids, like, over 20 years ago. He's told people the last few years he's always wished that he was an only child. He just got married to a nice girl in July at a ceremony with just our parents. Now they are having a big 125-person wedding reception at my parents' house. Is it wrong I have zero interest in going? I know it will hurt my parents' feelings. They are the ones I'm dreading telling. I know my brother couldn't care less, and I don't really have much of a relationship with his wife. We're cordial to one another, but I'm not comfortable being too close with her given my brother's issues. Um, I did go to her bridal shower last month, and I'll send them a gift regardless. What are your thoughts? Do I suck it up and go? Also, I feel like if I do go, it'll obligate me to invite him to my wedding one day. And who the hell wants someone at their wedding that doesn't speak to them? Thanks, Matt. All right. I said I would uh, – uh, I took that one. You took this one first now. Okay. Well, I think that you – as you get older, you choose who your family is, uh, as Ben Roy always says. But I also think that the best, I'm not saying you're being petty or vindictive in this, but the best revenge is to live a nice life. So, I mean, if you love your parents, maybe there'll be people there you haven't seen in a while. I mean, it could be a nice party. Uh, you don't have to, uh, your, your brother's clearly very immature. He's wishing he was an only child as an adult. That's the thing that babies say. <laughs> so you're not going to be able to, uh, 
to fix things with your brother at his reception. But I think you can go and you can, you know, hang out with your mom and dad, maybe see some cousins. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like you don't have to do anything involved with your brother, but you can go and have a nice time. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I would add uh, to your point of you don't have to pick your family. You have zero obligation. Correct. It is entirely up to you. Mm-hmm. There is no I, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in someone kicking me around for mm-hmm. five years and then I have to be, you know, the better person. I, you owe I, him I, nothing. The the extreme version of this call, I had, uh, uh, I don't know if you know Ira, Ira Madison the third. He does that um, podcast, Keep It. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very funny uh, uh, writer, playwright, something of a comic. And he's, uh, he has, he, ha- he had someone called in and was like, my father's dying. He's treating me like shit my whole life. Do I need to go? And I'm like, I'll let you take this, Ira. And Ira was just like, uh, I'm just gonna say, if I found out my father was dying, I would hang up the phone, make myself a drink, and watch a movie. <laughs> and I was like, you know, like there, you know, like it, it is, it, it, it that's kind of it. If someone's treated you like shit, every movie would tell you no, reach out, be there for them, you'll yeah. regret it. And it's like, okay, but what about personal responsibility? What about this person never owning their own shit? Yeah, uh, and also protecting yourself from more pain. Correct. Yeah, because yeah, what if you go to daddy's deathbed and he's like, I never loved you. And it's like, oh, OK, I didn't need uh, why did I show up. <laughs> yeah. Why did I fly into Lansing? <laughs> it's, it's, it's happy hour at the TGI Fridays by my hotel. I didn't yeah, I got off work for this. What are we doing? Crap. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it, I think it's on you. Consider it as as as, uh, as as Sam said, for for the good reasons. But in the end, weigh it out. You decide there's yeah. no right, no wrong. Right. And That's you've been right. living with this pain for so long that you can go be in the same room as him and still probably have a nice time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I don't I don't think you owe him any obligation to invite him to your wedding. Hell no. Yeah. Your wedding is your most special day. Fuck that. And he, and he didn't. So don't. Yeah. You no, know? I mean, it's it's. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think you got a nice perspective, lady, and I'm happy for you. And I think mm-hmm. you just do whatever makes you feel good. Yeah, and 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 above all, don't let other people's horse shit make you feel a certain way about yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's not your baggage to carry. That's right. That's right. Okay, hope that helps. You ready for the last call? Sure. Yeah. Okay, and uh, let's do it. Hey, Matt. This is Zach from Cleveland. Big fan of the podcast. I have a question. Uh, so I'm here. Uh, I'm trying to take my vitamins and. Uh, my wife says, even though I'm going to drink another beer, uh, I should take the vitamins with water and then have a beer. But I just want to take the vitamins with beer. So <laughs> is that okay to do? Or should I take the vitamins with water and then drink a beer? Thanks. <laughs> this guy, this guy's a real shooter on the flats. <laughs> He's like Cleveland through and through, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> I like that. Oh, my goodness. Uh <sighs> I never the the what, the one of the big rule the the rule everyone adheres adheres to without me ever telling them is just treat the caller sincerely no matter yeah. how insane they sound or, or right. whatever you know uh, uh, and and so like w- this is an easy one to be that way with that doesn't this doesn't you know uh, refer to that but the other one I never mention is we don't Google anything. Okay. Where someone's like, hey, how do I? I'm not going to go be like, well, is there an agency for that? You know, I'm not yeah. I'm not, not going to look it up. Um, I don't know if a beer will negate a vitamin. I, off the top of my head, I wouldn't think it would. Uh, 
probably probably you taking a multivitamin and drinking a case of PBR negates the multivitamin or for mm -hmm. whatever it does, if anything. And most studies have shown that multivitamins and vitamins don't really do much. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what and Sam, what do you think? That's that's my feeling. I think that if you're drinking beers the way that I drink beers, it is nice to have a glass of water in between every second beer. Mm -hmm. You know, especially if you're drinking an IPA, if you're just out there drinking Michelob Ultras or some Miller Lights, you're going to be fine. But uh, I do think that the amount, I think the volume of water you have in your body will dilute the uh, vitamins. And then also your kidneys are working so hard to process the excess liquid that you're probably going to have a harder time absorbing the vitamins into your body yep. because they're going to be pushing that water out so quickly. Yep. That's what I'll say. So mm -hmm. I think that if you really want to get the benefits of those vitamins, I don't think it's good to have them with a beer. If you're if you're in a session of boozing, I don't know if it's the time to take your vitamins. No, I, I think that's more for recovery time. Uh, yeah. When you're when you're having like half an avocado and a banana in the morning, right. lots of water and a cup yeah. of strong coffee, like that's 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 when your vitamin uh, time is 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 necessary. And and definitely on the sober days. Mm -hmm. I don't think. Yeah, you're right. I think it's. You're kind of wiping one thing away with the other. But if you're having one beer and this is your second beer, then go ahead and take those vitamins. Mm -hmm. But if you're on beer six and you're going to kill the case, I don't think it's time <laughs> for vitamins. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, I think you should eat some some pizza or lay down that base of carbohydrates just yeah. so you you'll feel a little bit better tomorrow. Exactly. And 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 water, water, water. I yeah. cannot stress that enough. That and that's is. coming from a guy who really likes to have a bunch of light beer. So, you know, sure. yeah, you're yeah. talking to a couple experts right here, man. That's right. That's right. Yes. Take it from us. Uh, uh, we're, 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 we're rising in age and we're, and we're still going not as hard as we used to. No, but just, you know, modify, modify, modify. Is the yeah. Rule. You know what? Get some magnesium, get some electrolytes. I think that might be more important uh, yeah. than just a random multivitamin. I don't think vitamin C is going to help you through the next day as much as potassium and, uh, you know, uh, sodium will. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's what that's why that's why I always say, like, the, what's the when people are like, what's the best remedy for a hangover? I'm just like water, exercise and a banana. Yeah, like eating a banana when you're hungover, you're like, oh, I feel 30 percent better. Correct. The, 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 just the, it's just a potassium bomb. Right. And also there's only 7% of the daily allotment in a single banana that you need throughout the day. But I've had this argument with my wife, who's a doctor a lot where I'm like, I'm never getting enough potassium. I have to eat 12 avocados to get hundred percent of my recommended daily value of potassium. And she says, no, your system is always maintaining potassium. This is the way to help your, uh, the cellular, cellular exchange of sodium potassium is just to maintain it, to keep adding it to the tank. You don't need to get 100% of your potassium every day. Wow. Yeah, which I've never understood because like, when you find out how much potassium is in a banana, I'm just furious. I'm like, I'm wasting this time eating a banana. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> I should be eating a bowl of guacamole with a spoon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, just beets. You know, if you eat beets every day, you're going to live forever, apparently. I forget that beets had potassium in them. Okay. That's good. That's Potatoes good. have a huge amount of potassium. I mean, you just explained uh, how the 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 Russian consumption of vodka works. That's right. Yeah, really, <laughs> and and the Slavic countries where yeah. those those places. I think they said something like said something like seventy percent of people uh, when they're deceased in in those areas have a blood alcohol level like higher than you can drive. 
or something like that. Like, <laughs> it's something. It's something like, and it and it's it's like that's not necessarily what killed them. It's like, oh, it's an 80, 80 year old guy who uh, he had an aneurysm or he fell yeah. off the barn or whatever, and it's just like, wait, he's drunk. <laughs> fell off why did he? He had his morning vodka shots, but he ate lots of beets and potatoes through his life. Right there, you go. Yeah, a lot of root vegetables. He was fine. That's, that's yeah. all you need. Yeah, and also that is a natural cause of death in Slavic places is falling off a barn. That's, yeah, yeah. The insurance companies don't bat an eye. I'm sure. It's <laughs> like ah, yeah, we. Yeah. that's covered. That's uh-huh. covered. You know, that's that's why you paid so much a month for barn fallings. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh well, those are the calls. Uh, the book is called uh, Running the Light. Yeah. Sam Go ahead and uh, buy it at samtalent.com. I'll send you a signed copy. And uh, I have a special coming out September 7th on every video on demand place. And the thing I think I'm most excited about, sorry, just to fucking take the oh, reins no, no, this on the is plug time. You took, you took the lead before I could say it. I want I'm, I'm doing a thing where if you want to send me, if you want to subscribe for $8.99 a month, you will receive a new piece of writing in the mail from me every month as well as a bonus piece of writing from someone who sent me a story. This month, you'll get something from me and an unpublished short story from Adam Caton Holland. Um, I'm really stoked about it. It's forcing me to write. It's keeping me really active. So yeah, subscribe to uh, the monthly mail membership, man, and get some some shit that I'm excited about, as well as something I'm excited to read every month in your little mailbox. That's fantastic. And so you can uh, you just sign up for that on at, at samtalent.com? Samtalent.com, T-A-L-L-E-N-T. Talent with two L's. Yeah, and all my tour dates are on there too. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Any 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 uh, dates coming up? You want to plug? Uh, yeah, I'll be in uh, Phoenix the uh, the third and fourth, and then uh, shit. Uh, if you if you live in Denver, Fort Collins, you can come to my uh, special premiere on the big screen on the seventh in the Alamo Draft House, Sloan's Lake, and then uh, in Fort Collins at the Lyric Theater on the eighth, and then I'll have a screening of the special on the big screen and then a Q&A with me and the director, cinematographer and producer. So, Oh, very cool, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to be in uh, Montana the weekend of the 9th. Um, yeah. What's uh, what's the, you're doing that gig, the new club, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. The, 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 is it, it's called like the giggle fit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The giggle bag or something. Uh, and then uh, let's see, where am I going? Bozeman, uh, September 10th and billing September 11th. So that's my little Montana run. It's beautiful I'm... man make sure you swim in the rivers yeah i want to and it's it's should still be warm enough which would be mm-hmm. which is gonna be cool yep. um but but yeah so dude thank you so much for coming on the show that was thanks so... for having me man i was really fired up when you sent me that dm so yeah i mean i've been wanting to have you it's this thing where i have this loose list in my head to be better about keeping it of like yeah. uh, uh, uh writing it down in uh, people who and i was like uh I was like, oh, fuck, I got to read Sam's book. Oh, Sam, let's have Sam on the show kind of thing. So. Yeah, send me your address and I'll send you a copy. I'm going to the post office after this. Really? Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. For I'll catch sure. you as soon as I get off, man. Right. But um, yeah, guys, uh, read Sam's book. And if you have not seen him do stand-up, you got to go see him. Or, or you have an opportunity coming up in September to watch his special. He's one of the funniest people out there and uh, one of the most unique, which as Sam and I, titans of comedy, just talked <laughs> yeah. about. Very Arbiters. Important. Yeah. Very important. Uh, but thanks so much, man. Really appreciate Thank you, it. Matt. Man, I love Sam. If you uh, have any need for advice or want to call with any kind of questions, add to the show. Uh, be a mighty. Fans of the show, they're called the Mighties. You can be one. <laughs> Just call 323-763-0228. Whatever the problem is, we might help. 323-763-0228. And thanks. 
This Might Help with Matt Bronger was created and hosted by me, Matt Bronger. Produced by Outer Circle Media. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcasts.